Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Jeff, and along with Brian, we are the hosts of this program. Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. We appreciate you joining us today. My name is Brian, and along with me as usual is Jeff. Jeff, good morning. How are you today? Good morning, Brian. Yeah, doing well. Uh, Looking forward to today's, uh, not only our topic, but uh, hopefully some uh, roundtable discussions on the topic. Yeah, this is one of those subjects that's kind of nice to discuss because there's so much misunderstanding out there, and the subject we're talking about is judging. And uh, joining us today is our special guest, Alan Hitchin, who's going to kind of guide us in this study. Alan, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Brian. I'm doing very well. And as Jeff said, I'm looking forward to uh, exploring this topic with everyone. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Judging is one of those subjects where I've found over the years, people are quick to tell you not to judge them, right? And they think of Matthew 7, for instance, where Jesus says, judge not that you be not judged. And so some people, Alan, seem to have this mistaken idea that because the Bible says this, that we should never judge anyone, right? But yet the Bible has quite a bit, doesn't it, to say about judging and when it's appropriate to do so. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Um, The Lord told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And as we prepare to talk with people, we have to make assessments. We have to make judgments. Where is this person? Where do I start? What specific things do I need to address with him? So it's really impossible for us to function as Christians without making assessments and judgments, but we have to keep them within the parameter of what God has asked us to do. And so we all know, I think, that one of the most fundamental doctrines I mean, the foundation doctrine in the scripture is that God is going to judge us for everything that we have said, everything we have thought, everything that we have done. And so we can trust him to do it perfectly. And we have to realize that we can't always do it perfectly. So the way I wanted to outline this particular podcast is that we want to start talking about God's abilities. And then we want to talk about our abilities. And then we can talk a little bit about how God is going to judge us. And then we're going to talk about God's limitations on how we have to be careful. Yes, we do have to pass judgments, but we have to be very careful in how we go about doing it. Yes, Alan, you make a good point. I think one of the verses that comes to my mind, at least in terms of God judging, um, is found over in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where it says, for, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Uh, certainly there's a lot of you know, information packed in that one verse. You know, one point being, yes, indeed, there is a judgment you know, at the end of time, Number two, it's based on what we've done in this life. You know, number three, both good and bad. Uh, Maybe number four, it's based on what we have done, not necessarily what our parents have done or what our spouse has done, etc. 
Uh, and the only other thing I just might add is it's also based on what we have done. And, and that sounds a little odd, but I'm thinking of like once saved, always saved, where if you express your belief in, in Jesus, you know, all your sins are forgiven and it's all up to God and doesn't matter what you do after that point. Well, this would even you know, contradict that. So there's a lot packed in there. Uh, not uh, to also include the fact that, you know, we can rely, as you said, on, on God to do all of that very uh, perfectly, you know, knowing everything that we've, as you said, you know, not only done uh, and said, but also even thought. Yeah, that's a that's an excellent verse that uh, we need to give careful consideration to. And I think the real point of that verse is that everything that we do in this life, whether it's good, whether it's bad, whatever it is, it's being assessed and it's being recorded. Uh, we learn from the book of Revelation that the books are going to be opened and we're going to be judged by the things that are written in the book. So if we could imagine that everything that we're doing and everything that we're thinking and everything that we're saying is being recorded and that someday we will have to make it a, a, a recording or excuse me, we'll have to make a an explanation. In other words, God wants us to understand that the entire fabric of this creation is that he expects us to live in a certain way and he's going to make assessments on whether we did it or not. Yeah, and you know, I guess we'd all say that's fair, right? I mean, God created us. He made us in his image. He's really given us clear direction on how he wants to live our lives. So I don't think anybody could argue he has a right to judge us, right? And in fact, to that point, you know, when we think about even the words we speak will be judged over in Matthew chapter 12, it talks about, Jesus talks about this where he says, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, you will be justified and by your words, you will be condemned. So, you know, we saw over in 2 Corinthians, Jeff mentioned 2 Corinthians 5.10, course, we're going to be judged on what we physically do in this life, but Jesus takes it a step further, doesn't he, Alan? He talks about even our words that we speak, we will have to give an account of in the day of judgment. That's exactly right, Brian. And, and you know, it's fascinating because I'll have a conversation with you, then I'll go have a conversation with Jeff, and I'll have a conversation with various people throughout the day, and I better be consistent because God is keeping track of every word. You know, if I say something to you, say something different to Jeff, and then maybe say something about you to Jeff, and then say something about Jeff to you, and God's, God's writing it all down. And I'm going to have to give an account of that. So I need to be careful. I need to realize that uh, God is assessing this, and he has the ability to remember it, and he has the ability to write it all down. And we will have to talk about it again on the last day. Yeah, Alan, it's just interesting, just a little side question there that, you know, within that passage of Matthew 12, talking about an idle word, you know, which I would assume at least I see one translation I've got here, uh, empty words. Um, you know, we need to be careful when we're just kind of casually talking to other people, you know, even, you know, little side conversations or, you know, having fun or joking or jesting or whatever, even at that level of words that we need to be uh, careful of. Uh, some other translations I'm looking up real quickly here. Careless words. Um, idle, careless. 
yeah, a number of other uh, uh, synonyms, uh, if you will. Worthless word, I see in one translation. Yeah, it's interesting, Jeff. I looked up the Greek word, and now, you know, it just talks about lazy, useless, idle, right? You know, the words that aren't beneficial, I guess we'd say, right, Alan? Well, you know, it's an interesting point that uh, some people are talking before their mind is even in gear. In other words, they're saying things just off the cuff. I haven't thought them out, haven't really thought about them, haven't thought about the consequences of them. And, you know, there's a passage in Ecclesiastes that says, God is in heaven and you're on earth, therefore let your words be few. Because we are going to give an account of those words. And, you know, we get irritated on the road and we say some careless words to those other drivers. And and we are talking with a friend and throwing out opinions, maybe that we don't even mean or we haven't even thought through. But we we are constantly uh, putting ourselves into situations where, you know, basically you'd have to say, we don't know what we're talking about. And there's a lot of things like that where we are invading into areas that we don't even have a clue. And so we need to be careful that whatever words are coming out of our mouth have been carefully thought through with the understanding and realization that one of these days we're going to have to explain why we said that. Well, and even tying that briefly back to our topic about, you know, judging others and, you know, quickly condemning them and quickly, you know, mouthing off, so to speak, at them. Uh, you know, this would condemn that as well, you know, along with gossip and you know, a bunch of other things. Well, and that's exactly right. And, and, and that's such a good point. Um, God has an ability. You know, another verse that's coming to my mind is in Psalms 139. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. And so there, there just isn't anything that, that in, in one sense, this is terrifying. In another sense, it is so comforting to be able to understand that God knows what we're thinking when we say something. He knows what our intents are. He knows what our words mean and what we meant to say. So oftentimes when we're talking to people, they misunderstand because we can't clearly uh, enunciate what it is that we're wanting to say. But God, on the judgment day, God is going to know this was why you said it. You understand my thought afar off. You you understand my ways. And there's not a single word on my tongue that you don't know completely. And as I say, in one sense, that's a terrifying thought uh, because as as we're going to read at another point, all things are naked and laid open before the eyes of, of him with whom we have to do. And so we have to realize and understand. And, you know, if you're a Christian and you're, you're, you're living the way you're supposed to be living, then this is one of the most comforting verses to, to realize that no one is going to misunderstand me on the judgment day. And, and everything that I've said is going to be perfectly explain. I'm not going to have to say, but Lord, this is what I meant. I, I meant this when I said, no, the Lord knows what I meant. And so it's just uh, something that we need to realize is that God is going to judge us and that he is perfectly qualified to do it. Well, and it's interesting that, you know, you mentioned 
God judging us. And some people might say, yeah, you know, God will judge Christians, etc. Uh, but I'm reminded just based on that of Acts uh, 17, when uh, I believe uh, Paul is talking to the Athenians. And he gets down to roughly verse 30, where he talks about, you know, previous times of ignorance, but now commands all men, all men everywhere to repent because he has appointed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by the man whom he has ordained and has given assurance of this to all by raising him from the dead. Of course, referring to you know Jesus the Christ. You know, There's a lot of uh, all-inclusiveness there, so to speak. All men everywhere need to repent and consider, as you said, there is that coming day of judgment. And again, this is the this is the fabric of the gospel. The gospel is Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He was raised again on the third day in order to be able to forgive us. And the gospel offers forgiveness. But God is very clear. I'm going to be fair. Uh, if you've done things that, to hurt other people, then you're going to have to give an account of that, and you're going to have to pay for that. And justice is going to be a portion of what God meets out on the on the last day, if I've hurt people, if I've done things to people, if I have said things about people and I haven't repented and I haven't been forgiven, then I'm going to not only am I going to have to give an account of that, but I'm going to have to pay for that. And that's a scary thought, but it's part of what God tries to help us understand is that I've given you an eternal soul and I've given everyone else an eternal soul. And I expect you to treat those people with love, with justice, with equity. You don't take from them what belongs to them. You don't take their reputation by uh, coveting their wife or, or coveting nations. It's just God is very clear. I want righteousness from you. And if you receive account of why, and you will have to pay for it. You know, you talk about, you know, God knowing everything and our thoughts and our intentions, and there will be righteous judgment. He'll be a righteous judge. Yeah, I kind of see that in contrast to kind of what happens in this life. And, you know, people often, you know, evidence gets thrown out of court or confessions get thrown out or there's plea bargaining or, you know, the person never gets caught to begin with, etc. And, you know, some people may equate you know judgment in this world by you know worldly judges with how god's going to do it and yeah I'll, I'll be able to talk to god or sweet talk god or plea bargain or whatever and it's like no ultimately justice will be served and that can kind of be comforting you know to people in this life who, who didn't get justice based on you know what was done to themselves or their loved ones or, or whatever but ultimately there will be an accounting as you said yeah and that's that Reminds me of that passage in Romans where God says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. So we don't have to worry about it. God is going to render to each one exactly what they deserve. And if they've harmed us and they haven't repented of it, then God will repay them. If they've harmed us and have repented of it, then God will forgive them just like he's forgiven us. So Everything is going to be equitable and everything is going to come out exactly the way that it should because God has the ability to do that. He can do all of the things that are necessary to judge us perfectly.
Yeah, and I like the term they use there, Alan, equitable, because really, if you think about one of the most comforting promises, one of the most comforting realities is that God will judge us, and he is no respecter of persons, the Bible says, right? He shows no favoritism. He's just, and as you just said, equitable, right? He's going to make sure that we are properly rewarded or punished based on how we've lived our lives. So, you know, as human beings, that really should be comforting, right? In fact, uh, one one final passage, and as far as this point that we're discussing that comes to mind is in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13, where it says, And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So as you've been saying all along, Alan, God sees everything that we're doing, every thought that we have, and therefore he can be a righteous judge. Whereas in contrast, of course, as people, we can make the wrong judgments, the wrong determinations, and so forth. So once again, very, very comforting to know that God will judge us righteously because he has insight to our innermost thoughts, and he promises to be just and fair. So as a result, he'll judge in mercy, compassion, and love, right? Because God is love. That's his very nature. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. And as we wind down this part and we, we move on to what we want to talk about regarding our own desires or uh, or responsibilities in judging, I just want to close with some interesting thoughts. The first one is, as children, uh, we always expected our authority figures, whether it was a parent or whether it was a babysitter or whether it was a parent, a teacher or a coach, we always expected them to arbitrate. You know, if your brother takes away your your toy or or your sister slaps you in the face and you both rush to mom and dad to get a righteous judgment and the parents listen and then they render a verdict. And I think we've we've all been in a situation where the verdict was completely unjust. And, you know, I, I've heard this for years with children. That's not fair. And they shriek it out because they have a sense of what's fair and they know that judgments need to be made and they understand the, because we're created in the image and likeness of God, and and we understand that this is the way it should be. We understand that there should be a just judgment, that everything should be made to be back where it was, which is in an equitable situation. And so when we can count on God to do that, then that ought to give us comfort. So God has the ability to do it. He has told us that he is going to do it. And, of course, his word is really based on uh, teaching us what to do, what not to do, and warning us that there are going to be consequences to certain things, and they will. God cannot lie. So everything that he has warned us about or promised us will definitely come to pass. Well, and in some ways, I I kind of go back to my comments a, a few moments ago. Yes, certainly we can, you know, rely on God to, you know, you know, be a just judge, uh, you know, n- not only for ourselves, but, you know, others around about us. And, and even though there's not justice in this life, you know, there will be justice uh, in the afterlife by the, you know, the most perfect righteous <laughs> judge that we could possibly have. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. God will judge in righteousness because he knows everything. He knows our motives and intents. 
He, we will never stand before God and say, Lord, I did that, but this is what I meant by that. And you're not being fair. That will never happen. God knows our motives. He knows our intents. We are not going to be able to get out of things by saying, I didn't mean that. Or, and, and God will be able to say, well, yes, you did. I saw in your hearts. Uh, I'm, I'm righteous. I'm just. I'm fair. I also have mercy, compassion, and love. And, and I think God will always give us the benefit of the doubt. And that God always will put the best possible motive on what we've done. But the bottom line is that he is capable and he will perfectly judge. And after the judgment day, everyone will know that they received exactly what they deserved or what they did in this life. And yet, with that kind of, you know, absolute sort of uh, you know, perfect judgment, uh, if, if we kind of switch gears on, which I think you wanted to take us into the next section, uh, that's not really something we have the ability to do, which we often try to do, you know, in this life with each yeah, other. Is that that's fair? exactly right. And that's, that's why we have to be careful. God is a perfect judge, and he's explained to us throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament what's fair, what's right, what's just, and I know exactly what you did, why you did it, and you will have to pay or you will be commended based on what you've judged and what, excuse me, what you've done. And we can't do any of that. God's watching 24-7. He knows every word. He knows every thought. You and I, we get to see just a small portion even even the people we are married to, even our family, we do not have the ability to be watching them 24 hours a day. We do not know everything that they think, everything that they've done. And so oftentimes when we try to pass a judgment, we're passing it out of ignorance because we don't know all those things. We don't know everything. We can't remember anything, everything, but God can. Uh, we don't always judge fairly or justly. And we don't always judge with love or mercy. And so what we can count on God to do, we can't count on each other to do. And so when it comes to judging on our side, yes, we do have to make assessments. As I say, if I'm preaching the gospel to somebody who's lost and I have watched them lie or I have watched them commit fornication or I have, or excuse me, I've watched them talk about committing it or I've heard their foul language. And now when I'm preaching to them, I've got to bring up the verses and I've got to be able to talk to them about those things. But at the same time, it is not my place or my right to make judgments about why they did it or what that says about them because we don't know their motives. It may have been a weakness. It may be something they hate that they're doing or it may be open rebellion, but we just don't know. We are severely limited in the abilities that we have to pass judgment on other people. What God can do perfectly, uh, we oftentimes will in all good conscience and with all conviction think that we're doing something that's right. Uh, Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12, there is a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We have the ability to be uh, deceived. We have the ability to be wrong. We have the ability to not have enough facts to make an assessment. And 
not only is that true with with other people, but it's true with everything. And so we we need to realize our limitations. Another proverb says, the first one to please his case seems right until his neighbor comes and examines him. And so as as we've all learned, there's two sides to every story. There's two sides to every conflict. There's two sides to every situation between a brother and a sister who are standing before their parents or between a husband and wife who are talking to a counselor. And a wise counselor is not going to make assessments and then draw conclusions and pass judgments by only hearing one side. He's got to hear both sides because the first person who who explains things from their perspective seems right. But the bottom line is that we need all the facts. God has them. God has all the facts. We don't have all the facts. And, and it's so easy for us to misunderstand. It's so easy for us to, to draw the wrong conclusion, to make the wrong assessment, to view somebody in a certain way, and they don't deserve it, or to view somebody in a nice way when they don't deserve it. Uh, Paul pointed out in one of his verses that, uh, or one of his uh, uh, letters, that um, some men's sins go before them, and some men's sins follow after them. We just don't have the ability, and we need to recognize that. And, that, and that's why I want to start with this, because we need to be afraid to make judgments. We need to be very, very cautious. We need to be absolutely sure when we make an assessment, because as Jeremiah puts it, we don't even know how to direct our own steps, let alone how to pass judgment on other people's steps. Jeremiah says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walks to direct his own steps. So if I'm humble enough to recognize that even my own words and my own thoughts and my own actions are not always what I wanted them to be or not always what I intended for them to be, and they don't really Uh, adequately or properly portray myself. I've met people in the past and they've seen me one time and they've made an assessment of me that is completely wrong because what they saw is not me. It was a momentary lapse, maybe a lapse of anger, maybe a lapse of uh, good judgment, maybe a lapse of frustration. And now someone has an opinion that is wrong and it colors all their thinking. That's where we get the word prejudice, prejudge, judging people based on things that are not fair, that are not just, and that are not true. And we're not, none of us are above this. And so those of us who find ourselves in positions where we have to maybe pass judgment on a child or, or pass judgment on an employee or, or in the church, we have to pass judgment on something that they've said. We better be so cautious and so careful because we don't have God's abilities. We have his, his image and likeness, and we have that desire to pass judgment because that's what God does, but we just have to be so careful. Yeah, I like the, uh, the word you introduced, the, that of being uh, prejudiced or prejudicial. Uh, and my mind just immediately leapt over to, in many ways, our current uh, political environment that's highly charged and, you know, various news outlets, et cetera, and all kinds of, um, you know, pre- prejudice, perhaps it's going on or allegations of being, you know, racist or sexist 
or homophobic or, well, we know he did that or that she did that because, and then, you know, fill in the blank with some, you know, assignment of bad motives. And, you know, of course, of course, unless we're careful, we get sucked into that kind of, you know, prejudicial thinking and, you know, harsh judging and condemning of others. But, you know, candidly, as you said, you know, we, we don't have all the facts. We can't read other people's minds. We don't know their intents. You know, we didn't see what happened before or afterwards. And as you said, we are challenged with even assessing our own heart. Uh, or have these, if you will, prejudices or blinders or colored glasses, you know, in our own eyes that we're, you know, observing what's going on. And yet at the same time, as we've mentioned, uh, another verse that comes to mind, you know, God does not have that problem. <laughs> Jeremiah chapter 17 um, kind of covers both of these thoughts, I think, uh, both our ability as well as his. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it. I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. That was Jeremiah 17, 9 and 10. Yeah, Jeff, you know, that makes such a good point. I actually had a sermon this week on, on that particular topic of self-deception. You know, Paul thought he was one of the greatest Jews and the most faithful person to God when he was trying to persecute the church and destroy Jesus' name on the earth. And so if I can be self-deceived and I can make judgments about myself that are not correct, then how much more can I do it with other people? And so the heart is deceitful. It is deceitful, it deceives us, and it deceives other people. And sometimes people have a better opinion of us than they should. Sometimes we have a better opinion of ourselves than we should. Sometimes we have a lower assessment of ourselves than is true. And sometimes people judge us based on that. And they think of less of us than, than is true. And so, you know, when it comes to judgment, we just have to be so careful. God knows how to test the mind. He knows how to put us in situations and then watch what we do. And then as, we, as he sees what we do, he can make the assessment, okay, this is what you are. You remember when Jesus first met Nathaniel and he said, you here is an Israelite in whom there is no guile. There's no deception. This is an honest man, brutally honest man. And, and Nathaniel said, Lord, how do you know me? And he said, well, when you were under that fig tree, I saw you. Now we have no idea what Jesus saw under what, what Nathaniel had done under that fig tree, but he knew, and he knew exactly what Jesus was talking about. And he was amazed. And so God can do that. I can't do that. I can't make assessments. Uh, I might be the most honest person in the world, but if one person sees me at one time stretch the truth a little bit because I wasn't thinking, and then they forever think of me in a way that is not true. And so this is the danger. This is the extreme danger. When I see the, the entire Jewish nation crucifying their own Messiah, I think to myself, how easy it is to misjudge, how easy it is to destroy ourselves out of a misjudgment. Yeah, you know, it's so important for us to realize, as you pointed out, Alan, that we're not properly equipped to make just judgments all the time. So, for instance, because of limited information, I mean, how many times have any of us been in a situation where 
you make a judgment only to find out because of additional information that comes out later that you made the wrong judgment because you didn't have all the info, right? Or sometimes we allow emotion to get involved and it clouds our judgment. And so, you know, we can see God's wisdom in limiting what he does want us to draw conclusions or judge about, right? So even under the old law, we see in Exodus chapter 23, where God here said, you shall not circulate a false report. Do not put your hand with the wicked to be an unrighteous witness. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil, nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. You shall not show partiality to a poor man in his dispute. And one thing about this passage, Alan, is it shows the many different ways as humans we can get it wrong, right? Because of various things. And so we can see why God limits our ability to judge in that respect. Yeah, and you can see this on so many levels. Uh, There was a time when everyone thought that when you were sick, that you should be bled. Someone should cut cut into your uh, vein and bleed you. Uh, There was a time when people thought the world was flat. There was a time when, and and we could go on and on and on, and and we think to ourselves, well, glad I didn't live, live in that time. But you know something? We do live in a time where those same problems. And that's why you shall not circle a false report. Uh, There's so much rancor and anger and bitterness in the world today over politics, over moral thinking, over what people consider to be right and wrong. And it's so easy for us to forget the scriptures and circulate that false report. And so we have to be so careful. you know, the Bible says you shall not speak evil of the rulers of your people. And yet we see so many false reports. Uh, the people who hated Trump put out false reports. The people who hate, hate Biden are putting out false reports. We, as God's people, have to rise above that. And we don't want to be an unrighteous witness. And we don't want to follow a crowd to do evil. And we don't want to get involved in testifying in a dispute when we don't know what we're talking about. And so there's just so much danger in our ability to not know all the facts, in our ability to, uh, to affirm something that's not even true and damage someone or even cause someone to be ruined based on something that never should have been said and never should have been judged. So we, again, we need to have humility uh, when, we, when we're dealing with this because of our limitations. You know, it's interesting, you know, going back for a moment to Exodus 23 and what we might call today a crowd mentality, you know, follow a crowd to do evil. You know, some, all different kinds of scenarios at least come to my mind where you think, well, you know, this is a big deal. A lot of people believe in it. A lot of people are passionate about it. I'm going to go along with it. You know, even to include like actually physically rioting and looting and burning, you know, stores and police cars, etc. Thinking they're doing what's right. Uh, when in reality, they're doing, you know, as Exodus 23 says, you know, following a crowd to do evil. Because you're, you know, you're with a group and you know, whatever label you want to give to, to that group, you know, we're, we're strong, we're united, we've got right, we have quote unquote God on our side. 
and of course that can apply across the whole you know political spectrum but uh yeah just focusing on that you know following a crowd to do evil there's there's a certain amount of comfort in numbers but that doesn't mean anything does it no it doesn't and and we see this so clearly in the when the pharisees sent the police so to speak to go arrest jesus and they come back and never man so spake and these people they've already made up their mind you know it's that it's that old adage don't confuse me with the facts because my mind is already made up and too many times we form an opinion we we assess and make a judgment and we will not move from it even though it's wrong and so we have to recognize that passage in Exodus 23 is one that we should all ponder. And I hope that our listeners will take some time to open up their Bible and look again at Exodus 23, 1 through 3, and, and think about how easy it is to do that, how many people we see around us who are doing it, and then maybe make an assessment. I wonder if I'm, I'm doing it too. Well, and Alan, in some ways you kind of make a good point because, as you said, once we kind of form an opinion of a person, for instance, that we start using that opinion to filter everything else we start seeing about them. Uh, you know, either they can do no wrong, and we explain away things that look like they're wrong, or we get in a position they can do no right, <laughs> and we start, you know, filtering everything they do through that filter, and, you know, everything they say and do, it's like, yep, yep, see, I told you so, you know, confirmation bias. <laughs> That's sometimes called. Yeah, that's a that's a good point because you know we all have native gifts or, or innate abilities. Some people are so charismatic that even when they do things that are wrong, we're willing to overlook it. And some people grade us and and rub us wrong, so to speak. They they just don't have that ability, and they we we've we've made assessments about them and. God talks about the poor man. Don't show partiality to the poor man. Well, don't show, show partiality to the people who are handsome or beautiful. Don't show partiality to the, the movie stars or the people who are so popular or the people who uh, are just poor and, and despised. So, as I say, we, we have so many deficits when it comes to judging that by the time we finish this, we're going to be telling ourselves... I don't think I better be making any judgments about anything anymore. <laughs> and yet, as we will see, I think maybe not in this podcast, but in later podcasts, God does command us to judge in some ways. <laughs> right. That's true. As we leave Exodus 23 and we move on, I hope at this point all of our listeners are recognizing we have so many limitations and so many areas where we can get it wrong. And God has always demanded two things of us. First of all, that all of our assessments of right and wrong, good and evil, and uh, any other aspect of our judging is based from Scripture. In other words, I have to have a Scripture that says this is a sin, or this is wrong, or this is something that I need to act upon. And I need to get involved in this, or I need to express an opinion or a thought about it. Most of the time, the best thing we can do is leave it to God. We don't, if we don't have any business in it, and it's not something that we have to act upon, then 
we need to leave it alone and let God take care of what he knows how to take care of and not intervene. So first of all, we need to have a scripture that is demanding that we pass a judgment or that is demanding that this is how we should look at this thing. And then second, God demands that there always be at least two or three witnesses. It's not enough for me to see somebody do something and make an assessment. I need to have more than that. In Deuteronomy 19, 15, one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall a matter be established. And so we see here that God is more interested in justice, and he would prefer that a criminal, that maybe I see him do something that is wrong, and I know he's guilty. But God says, it doesn't matter. If you don't have two or three witnesses, you leave it to me. No one shall rise up against a man for any iniquity. We're not going to talk about it. We're not going to pass it on. We are simply going to say, okay, I've, I've noted this. I'm going to keep watching. And if, if at any point in the future I see that other people are aware of this, then we're going to have to move on this for any sin or in any sin. And again, any sin, God has defined, excuse me, defined what sin is. And when I see somebody committing an act of sin, I cannot rise up and do anything except, as Jesus will point out, and we'll talk about this in a later podcast, that I might go to them alone and I might try to reason with them and try to get, and, and then, of course, maybe I will need to bring two or three witnesses. But the, the, the point, the basic point of this is you're limited, you know you're limited, don't act unless you have two or three witnesses, leave it alone. I'll take care of it. I can take care of anything that is inequitable or unjust. I don't need your help, and I don't want your help. And if you don't have two or three witnesses, leave it alone. And of course, you know, you quoted Deuteronomy chapter 19, but uh, there's a similar passage over in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Or Paul writes, this is the third time I am coming to you. At the mouth of two witnesses or three shall every word be established. It's almost like a quotation from the, uh, from the Old Testament. Um, and even in terms of his instructions or the Holy Spirit's instructions through him to Timothy uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 19, where it's talking about the, the leaders of the congregation, the elders. Against an elder, receive not an accusation except at the mouth of two or three witnesses. Yeah, Alan, I find it kind of interesting that even in our modern, uh, you know, judicial system, that in some ways is built on, you know, Judeo-Christian ethics, that, you know, if you get into a legal bout where you've got, you know, he said, she said, you know, sorry, can't decide uh, that it does take multiple uh, witnesses. For instance, in a, in a court of law, you know, several lines of evidence, you know, to show, you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, the person is indeed guilty. Because I think, as you said earlier, you know, my observation, my hurt feelings, or whatever, may indeed cloud my judgment, and I may be too harsh, I may be too lenient, and 
you know, I need some other other perspectives, so to speak. Yeah. And again, as we go through this part of the study, what we've seen is that God is perfectly capable of judging and we are severely limited in judging. God is perfectly capable of understanding exactly why and what and, and how people were doing what they did. We don't have that ability. And so we need to be humble. We need to be careful. And we need to make sure that all of our assessments are going to be based on the truth and based on scripture. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting, Alan, that up to this point, appreciate your emphasis on why God is much more clearly qualified, if you will, to pass a just judgment because he knows our hearts and all of those things. And and we can see from some of these passages that we've looked at that God, of course, is concerned about our limitations, weaknesses, prejudices, all these other things that as humans, we tend to bring into our judgment. And as you just kind of hinted at and you pointed out, which is really important, that is there has to be a standard by which we judge, and that standard for our lives is God's Word. And so, you know, over in John chapter 7, in uh, verse 24, it says, Jesus here says, Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. And, you know, so then we would ask, well, what is righteous judgment? Well, as as we'll see, and as you'll elaborate on, I know, it really can only be from God's word, right? Because once again, we tend to bring all these other things in it and or even our own standards to judge instead of using God's perfect standard to judge. Yeah, that is I mean, when we combine what Exodus said about not allowing the current ideas or the crowd to make our uh, criteria for judging. And we can't get away from that. We cannot get away from our environment. And our environment is what makes us think that this is right or this is wrong. You remember in Second or First Peter chapter 1, he says, Be holy, for I am holy. And then he says, We need, we have been, re- not, we have been redeemed by the precious blood from that vain manner of life handed down from our fathers. And all we have to do is look at the current ideas of right and wrong in our culture and compare it with Scripture and realize that there's a lot of judgments that we could make wrongly. Uh, Jesus said, whosoever divorces his wife except for the cause of fornication and marries another commits adultery. And yet in our culture, almost 90, or excuse me, yeah, almost 90% of those who were divorced did not follow that. And yet they're the judgment is that they're married, and the judgment is that everything's fine and that there's no adultery. But the scriptures tell us a different story. So don't judge according to appearance. Don't judge according to the culture you live in because it's it's got some vain manner of life in it. And don't judge according to the basic ideas of good and evil or right and wrong that the culture has developed and devised. Our culture sees fornication as a recreational activity. But the scriptures say it is every sin that a man commits is outside of the body. But he who commits fornication fornication is sinning against his own body. Well, that's judging righteous judgment, whereas the culture is judging by appearance. And so it, it just goes, I mean, this is such a huge subject, and it, it covers so many different aspects of our of our lives. 
Well, and as you said, we have to be, you know, very careful in terms of judging based on our current culture. Because as you said, there, there's a lot of current trends, a lot of political turmoil, a lot of divisiveness out there, you know, all kinds of, you know, judgments regarding, as you said, you know, sexuality, gender, you know, transsexual, etc., uh, that are, you know, not aligned with the scriptures. Like I'm reminded of Romans chapter one, or the latter part of the chapter, where it talks about, you know, God giving people up to uncleanliness, dishonoring their bodies, giving them up to vile passions. And of course, all those terms are from the uh, New King James Version. And it goes on to describe, you know, various behaviors that in today's society are applauded, are a source of pride, uh, you know, are a source of, you know, condemning of others because you're homophobic or transphobic or et cetera. So as you say, you know, we need to judge righteous judgment based on God's word, not necessarily on the uh, cultural whims of the time. Yeah, and it, it's just so easy to do that. Uh, as I say, we are not equipped. Separate from God's word, we do not know how to direct our own steps. We have no idea uh, whether our assessment of anything is going to match up with God's unless we use Scripture. Because there is a way that seems right, but the end thereof are the ways of death. And, and we see this in every realm of life. We see it in, in religion. There are so many denominations, so many judgments and assessments on doctrine that are not based on Scripture. And we see it in the schools. There are things that are being taught in the schools that are completely contrary to the scriptures. Evolution would be a clear example of that. Then we see it in the moral realm. And we see it in the political realm. I mean, there's just no area of our lives. And it isn't just our culture. This has always been the case. And when we make assessments, when we make judgments, remember, God is going to judge our judgments. And God is going to either justify us or condemn us. But I know one thing for sure. We walk by faith, and faith comes by hearing the Word of God. So when it comes to judging, we need to be walking by faith. And we need to have a scripture before we make any assessment, because we can't get under the surface. We can only see what's on the top. We are limited. We are limited to what we see and hear. We can't go any further. God can go deeper. God can go into the mind. He can go into the heart. He can see our thoughts and our intents. We can't. He also knows all the truth. We don't. He knows what's good and evil. We don't. We prove all things and we hold fast to what is good and we, ab we abstain from evil, but only with the understanding we have at the present moment. How many times, friends, have we been in a situation where we look back on an assessment we made 20 years ago and we just cringe and we think to ourselves, how could I have been so foolish? So whenever we make an assessment, form an opinion, pass a judgment, we need to ask ourselves, are we being fair? Are we being just? Is this the truth? Is this from the scriptures? Is this something God will confirm and God will agree with? And these are all critical considerations that we have to make regarding judging yeah all good points and as we said you know back in uh, john chapter 7 we are commanded to judge but it's supposed to be righteous judgment and as we've kind of been hinting as we've been going along or expressing as we've been going along you know it has to be based on you know what is righteous 
as in revealed through the scriptures. Now, I'm kind of reminded of Proverbs chapter 3, uh, beginning roughly verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Now, we could maybe tease that passage apart in the context of the subject we're talking about. You know, judge righteous judgment. Uh, you know, we must trust the Lord with all of our heart, trusting the Lord when we're judging others. That we can't lean on our own understanding, you know, of the situation, judging others. You know, must have scripture to, you know, acknowledge him and what he's uh, what he would want us to do. Uh, we must let him direct our paths, including when judging others. Uh, certainly never be wise in our own eyes. Oh, I'm so smart. I know everything that's going on. I know exactly what they did, why they did it, etc. Again, when judging others. And in all of that, as we've cautioned, you know, we need to fear the Lord when judging others. Because as you said, that kind of... Uh, can come back to bite us if we don't judge righteous judgment. So a very, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of information packed into, you know, three short verses over in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter three. That's right. And we need to understand God will judge our judgments. I mean, that's a terrifying thought, but it's the truth. God is perfectly capable of, of judging. That's that, that, you know, if we wanted to summarize our, our podcast as we, as we wind this podcast down, God is perfectly suited to judge. We are not. Birds are perfectly suited to fly. We aren't. Fish are perfectly suited to live under the water. We aren't. We recognize our limitations when it comes to physical things because it's obvious. Not going to jump out of a tree and expect to fly. I'm not going to jump deep into the water expecting to be able to breathe under there. And when it comes to judgments, I'm going to realize I'm out of my element. I do have to do some judging and assessing, but it has to be based on Scripture. It has to be limited, and it has to be carefully looked upon, because whereas God is perfect at this, we are not. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, Alan, we were talking, you've kind of mentioned that we were going to have a second podcast about this. And it's important because this is a little bit more of a complex subject than it seems on the surface, right? So we've been talking all along in this podcast about how judging as humans can be fraught with peril, how God, of course, is the one who's qualified to judge, not just based on his own will, if you will, um, that is in his own mind, of course, but but also what he's revealed to us in the gospel. And so I could see how some listeners say, listen, I understand you've given scripture for what the truth is on this matter of judging, but we still have this passage out there in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, that says, judge not that you be not judged. And goes on to say, you know, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So, Alan, can you talk a little bit about why a second podcast is important here to kind of pull apart or dig into this statement, judge not that you be not judged, because it's so misunderstood, unfortunately, today? Well, and that and that's 
why I wanted to have this first podcast. We had originally talked about having a podcast just on this verse, but without the context of what we've just finished saying, we're not really in a position to even understand this verse because we all know that we have to make judgments. We all know that if your brother sins against you, you go to him and show him your fault. Well, think of all the judgments that have to be taken into consideration before we go talk to that person. So when the Lord here is saying, judge not that you be not judged, I think it's pretty evident that what he is saying here is, if you leave the scripted walk of the scriptures and you start passing your own judgment on people based on your own criterias and your own ideas, then you will be judged. So don't judge in such a manner that you're out on your own. You're on your own platform. You've made your own assessments. You have decided your own thinking. And this is also true of prejudice. This is also true of When we are hurt by someone, we tend to have a much stronger opinion about judging that than we are if we watch someone else do exactly the same thing to somebody we don't like. And so with what judgment we judge, we're going to be judged. Well, when I see that, I'm going to be so careful. If I I realize that God is going to judge me exactly the way I judge other people, then I'm going to judge other people scripturally from the scriptures, just like I want to be judged. And I'm going to judge people with mercy, just like I want to be judged. And I'm going to judge people with with righteousness and equity, because if I'm unfair, then God might be unfair with me, or at least he's going to treat me with the same harshness that I've. And so here we have a verse that tells us you can uh, modify your own judgment with God based on how you judge other people. The way you judge, you will be judged. The way you measure, it's going to be measured back to you. So when we think about this verse, and and again, we're going to have a whole podcast on this because I think it's so important, it's so complicated, and it's something that really needs to be developed. And that is, we have to be absolutely certain we don't violate this verse. Jesus says, don't do this. And so I have to figure out what exactly does he mean by that? and then make sure that I don't violate it. Well, and especially as I know some people like to run to this verse and focus just on the first two words, judge not. And yet at the same time, as we've already pointed out, John chapter 7 commands us to judge. So yeah, there's a lot to untangle there, so to speak, and and certainly looking forward to that uh, next podcast. Hey, Brian, any thoughts uh, before I uh, vector people over to the website for additional information? Uh, just a final thought from me, and, and appreciate your willingness to do this, Alan, because you're right, this element of judging is important to understand, especially because later in the chapter in Matthew 7, right, it talks about there are judgments that we're going to have to make, like with false teachers, right? By their fruits, you will know them. And so, yeah, it's a, it's a little scary in some respects, though. We'd almost rather just not judge at all just to be safe, but we we have to make some types of judgments. And so look forward to you elaborating on that more in our next podcast. Alan, any other thoughts before we uh, wrap it up for today? Just want everyone to be so cautious in judging. Brian's right. There are assessments we must make based on scripture, but there is a, there's a fence. You know, Jesus talks about the straightened and narrow way that leads to life. 
and I would say judging is right in that. If you stray too far, judging too much, if you stray too far, not judging enough, then we violate the scripture. So I'm looking forward to it. It, it, It's something I like to think about myself because I, I don't know, I don't always know if I'm doing it perfectly. So it's always good to go over these scriptures again and again to make sure that we know what we're doing. Appreciate it, Al. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the the next podcast as well. In the interim, for our listeners, if you'd like to get additional information on today's topic, uh, please go to our website at biblequestions.org. If you look under the topics menu item, uh, under the letter J, uh, scroll on down, you'll find two entries. One is for judgment, which generally focuses articles on what God does and a separate section right after it called judging, which tends to focus on what we do. And I might also mention, somewhat in preparation for the next podcast, if you look under the lessons menu item, uh, pick the book surveys, uh, pick the subtopic Sermon on the Mount. That will take you to a page that uh, we've created from material that uh, Alan went through, a very extensive uh, lesson series on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in chapter or in the book of Matthew. If you scroll down that page, you'll see a section labeled Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, entitled Judging Others. So a lot of good material there for your study, uh, even before we have our next podcast. And as always, we encourage folks to not only visit the website, but also read the material, but more importantly, read the and study the associated scriptures to come to the right scriptural um, conclusion on this and any subject that is equally important from God's Word. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website, biblequestions.org, where you can submit a Bible question to be answered. And you can also search archives where we have answered several hundred Bible questions over the years. Our website also has a host of free Bible study material, free correspondence courses, as well as sermons and a host of other material. Please stop by and check it out.